Bible study word tonight. We begin our study in the book of First Timothy. But before we do that, I'd like to give a quick uh, announcement, I guess it would be. For those of you uh, who haven't have yet to look at the uh, Hot Rod Bible Study, www.hotrodbiblestudy.com, uh, I'd like to encourage you to do that. There's a place to sign up for emails. I actually sent one out this week. Now, don't worry, it won't be spam that I'm sending out. I just sent out the things. Look at that. My producer director fixed me. I just sent out the things that, um, that God had placed on my heart. So I think it's encouraging. Please sign up for that. And it won't be long here to where you'll be able to, through that, Site. Well, you'll be sent, you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope to the P.O. box on that, uh, that site, and we'll send you some Hot Rod Bible Study stickers. You might see it on the roadster here, just a little thing, looks pretty neat. There you go, there's my shameless plug. And so with that, let's open with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you that you gave us this word to direct us and to encourage us. Lord, also, we thank you that your word says we're two or more gathered in your name. There you are. So you are here with us tonight. And once again, Lord, please keep me out of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Uh, again, tonight we are starting in 1 Timothy. Now, if you've been with us the last few months... Uh, you'll know that Timothy has been along with Paul on uh, most of his uh, missionary journeys, been helping him out. Uh, it's been said that Timothy was Paul's uh, protege. I, uh, I like the word apprentice better. Now that might just be because uh, most of the guys and gals, hot rodders I know, who uh, have worked with their hands for a living, have served some sort of an apprenticeship, whether it's a formal apprenticeship uh, under some sort of a labor union or an informal apprenticeship, such as I served under guys, under mentors who uh, know the, uh, the tr I guess, tricks of the trade would be something, but know how to, to operate things in a proper manner. And they, they bring young guys, uh, you know, under their wing and show them that's, that's an apprenticeship deal. Um, I like that word. Uh, I was blessed not only to serve an apprenticeship with auto repair, but uh, an apprenticeship with being a pastor under some really wonderful pastor mentors that uh, took me under their wing and uh, it's great. Now here, with, with Paul writing Timothy, not only is Paul encouraging Timothy in his first church, but he is also encouraging, well, he's also uh, giving a, um, a guideline for how things ought to be in the church. And we'll get into that sooner. It, it's great. I, I just love this. I think you know, I, I can just envision Paul being this guy had been beat up soundly, and here he has this young guy under his wing, and he's, he's, uh, he's helping him out. Now, Paul and Timothy both had 
well, both, had something in common uh, where their fathers were Gentiles and their mothers were Jewish. Paul's dad was a Roman citizen. His mom was Jewish. Uh, Timothy's dad was Greek. Both mom and grandmother uh, were good, strong uh, Jewish women of faith. So they have a, 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 a commonality there where they also have this ability to uh, communicate with not only the, uh, those of Jewish heritage, but those of Gentile heritage as well. So with that, uh, let's begin. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of, our, of God our Savior and of the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they may teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables or an endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is anything that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith 
and a good conscience, which some have rejected, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And that's where we're going to stop for this evening. Um, Again, this letter starts off in a typical Paulinian manner where he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God. And I like to point that out, that it is by the commandment of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. It's not that he was an apostle. It's not that he was sent out by some group of men. He was sent out by Jesus Christ himself. And he addresses this letter to Timothy, a true son in faith. Again, Timothy is Paul's apprentice, and Paul loves Timothy as a son and wants only the best for Timothy. And here's the greeting that we all love so well. You know, interestingly enough, when I uh, grew up in the church body that I grew up in, the pastor always started the sermon with grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Of course, when I was 10 years old, I didn't recognize that he was quoting Paul. That was a wonderful way to open things up. But here it is, grace. That's that unmerited favor that we receive. Mercy, which is not receiving what we do deserve. And peace, that... Uh, one thing that we all desire so much, I think down deep in our heart, I think even the most insolent man desires peace. From God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Continues verse 3, I urged you when I went to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus that you may charge them that they teach no other doctrine. Okay, when... Paul left for Macedonia. He wanted, he urged Timothy to stay in Ephesus. This you would probably in um, uh, modern terminology say this was Timothy's first call to a church. And of course, it's a scary thing. You know, here's Timothy been with Paul all this time. Now, Timothy has to be what my friend Daryl from Georgia would say, the man what's in charge. And that's a lot of responsibility. And he is a little bit leery about this. And hence, Paul is reading him, pardon me, writing him this letter. Now, Ephesus uh, is a town which is on the uh, west coast of modern day Turkey, was a great trade uh, town uh, also had the um, one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple to Artemis. And Artemis was a god, goddess, pardon me, of fertility, goddess of love, yeah, fertility, because they had uh, temple prostitutes and all this stuff going on there. Uh, if you ever get a chance, you know, you, you, may, have, you may have read in the, in the book of Acts, or if you've been with us for those studies, uh, where uh, Paul's getting run out of town by the silversmiths uh, in Ephesus because here they are making these little trinkets, these little statues of Artemis of the Ephesians. 
Look up Artemis of the Ephesians on the web sometime and you'll notice what it is, is this thing with this, her whole body's covered with breasts. And I don't, it just, I can't understand it. But anyway, this is what was going on there in Ephesus where Timothy is the pastor. There's a great big congregation there because people recognize, like I like to say, the futility in a polytheism, okay? Polytheism, that's how, how the folly there is in polytheism. So great church going on there, but they got stuff going on. People coming in with goofy doctrine, and that's what he's going to say here. Uh, one note on this with, with uh, Timothy receiving this call. It says, God will allow us to be in difficult situations. You can say that Timothy was put in a difficult situation. We must set our minds to meet the challenge, or we will surely give up. Now, here's an interesting story. Many years ago, a famous Arctic explorer put this ad in a London newspaper where it reads, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. So thousands of men responded to the appeal because they were willing to embrace a difficult job when called to do so by a great leader. And this was a man. When you were called to do something by the creator of the universe, the greatest leader there could be by God, this is what's going on with our friend Timothy. Now, goes on to say that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Doctrine is vitally important to God. Oy, there's one of those big words. What doctrine? Well, it's pretty simple. What's vitally important to God is that you know that you are a sinner, and the only way that you can come to uh, everlasting life is through God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for our sins. This is sound doctrine. There's other thing that goes on with that. There's a bunch of goofy stuff that always goes on, and this is what Paul is charging Timothy, and he will show us further on as this book goes on, this sound doctrine. Okay, verse 4. Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause dispute, rather than godly edification which is in faith fables. Oh, that's a bunch of uh, silly myths, you know, uh, silly distractions, these different myths that go on about what went on how many years ago or whatever the deal is. Endless genealogies. Aye, there's one. Uh, ancient, ancient Judaism depended a lot on genealogies. Well, it, I shouldn't say that. A lot of emphasis was put on genealogies. Not because God said to do so, but that's the way they felt. If you look back at the begats in uh, Genesis where your eyes start rolling back in your head, I don't... But there's a reason for them being in there. There's also a reason for in Matthew about the genealogy of Christ. Is anybody saved through these genealogies? No. And that's what Paul is trying to refer to here. It's, it's not an uncommon thing to this day. Shintoism over in Japan, they uh, place a lot of importance on genealogies because for one thing, 
they worship, they have a bit of ancestor worship in Shintoism. Uh, obviously, that won't get you anywhere. I heard somebody one time say that they prayed to their grandmother and grandpa, and you know, you roll your eyes up in your head and say, man, please don't do that because you're not getting anywhere. Uh, there's uh, a real popular religion here in the United States that places a lot of importance on genealogies. It's great if you want to look up your genealogy, you can go through this because it's very well laid out. Uh, I have some uh, relatives way back with this and I have a pretty good idea. Well, a bit of it is, is they use this genealogy to baptize people in, a, in an abstentia. I have a pretty good idea that I've been baptized in abstentia. Uh, too bad it doesn't do any good. So hold that, but that's a whole nother and that's a whole other subject. We're not going down there. I'm just trying to point out that genealogies, endless genealogies, cause disputes. I could say something like, hey, my great-grandfather was a Lutheran pastor who not only had to preach in German, but he had to preach in English too, you know? It doesn't matter to my salvation. Well, other than the fact that this carried on through the family. But my salvation isn't dependent upon somebody else. My salvation, your salvation, is dependent upon what you do with Jesus Christ, what I do with Jesus Christ. God has no grandchildren, okay? He has children, us, those who believe in Jesus Christ. Okay, I'll keep, that's enough on genealogies for a while. And it goes on to say, uh, causes disputes rather than godly edification. Edification is something building people up. That's what we try to do is edify the believers, the children of God in their faith, right? It says, which is in faith. Now, verse five. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from sincere faith, from, verse six, which some have strayed, having turned aside to idle talk. Commandment. What he's talking about is what this instruction is all about, okay? But he, again, we're, he's instructing uh, Timothy on what ought to go on in his church. Now, he's written Timothy this letter. Uh, I have some handwritten notebooks that my father had when he went to the Hemp Hell Diesel School in Los Angeles when he was in the Navy, okay? And he had all these handwritten uh, notebooks about all these things that he was learning, which he had with him when he went shipboard. This is what we have here with Timothy. He has this instruction from Paul with him, okay, while he's being a pastor in Ephesus. It's a great thing to have, okay. And it says here, to which some, again, uh, verse 6, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. Idle talk. <laughs> Meaningless discussion. Somebody put it this way. I like this. I'm going to get it right here. It, the, uh, it says here, uh, the cul-de-sac of gossip. Isn't that a wonderful description? The cul-de-sac of gossip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It says, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things that they affirm. Teachers of the law. You know, the group of guys 
that Jesus probably gave the hardest time to were the Pharisees. Those were those guys that uh, not only studied the law, but added law and thought they would be saved by law. And he called them whitewashed tombs because the law is not saving them. Okay, so that's what these people are. He's trying to, to tell Timothy to be aware of these folks that are trying to, to push law on people. And they, it says here that they uh, understand neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. They're just parroting what they had heard. Okay? They don't understand. You know, that this is a difference. I want to say this is a difference between somebody who is truly called to preach and somebody who seems to think they can do it because they can earn a living. It comes from the heart. That's where you're not just parroting something that you have heard. It is coming from the heart. It's something that you understand. It's something that God has placed into your heart. Verse 8, But we know that the law is good, if one uses it lawfully. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. Using the law correctly. And here's a law SOS that you might have already heard, but I think it's kind of fun, is the law SOS shows our sin. Okay, if we don't have the law, we might not know that we're sinning. Gospel SOS saves our soul. The good news of the gospel. But as Paul is saying... Law is good. Use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and the sinners. Gee whiz, that's made for us then, isn't it? For the unholy and profane, for the murderers of fathers and the murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is anything that is contrary to sound doctrine. Ah, now here's a couple words in here that might just kind of twist certain people because it's kind of common. Fornicators. Fancy word for having sex outside of marriage. Pretty common thing that goes on. People say, well, you know, you got to stick up with the times. That's what's going on and all that. That's not the way God intended it. God intended sex to be in marriage. And it's blessed when it is in marriage. Okay? Please, uh, these aren't my words. You know, uh, my friend Pastor Ed Ray likes to say when he gets on something like this, and keep those cards and letters coming. Because if you look into Scripture, you will find this is God's idea. Which comes to sodomites. Sodomites. <sighs> Here it is. Here it comes. And I know these are the cards and letters will be coming now. Homosexuality. Don't take my word for it. If you want to do a little study on your own, just go to Genesis chapters 18 and 19 and see what God has to say about that. That's as much as I'm going into on there. Paul is talking about how Law shows us our sins. These things being chief. Okay. Any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Paul talking about to his trust. A defender of the gospel. Okay. Verse 12. And I thank God... 
pardon me, and I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has enabled me, given him the, the grace to do this, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although, and this is a big although, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. Paul was not always Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. You can read about him in the book of Acts chapter 9 with his great coming to Jesus moment on the road to Damascus. But here he was, an insolent man. An insolent man is a violent person who is acting out of personal pride. Here Paul thought that I'm doing what's right for God. These people who believe in Jesus, these people who believe in the way are blasphemers, and I'm taking them back to Jerusalem because you know what the penalty for blasphemy is. It's death. I'm going to bring them back and I'm going to straighten them out. Then he had his come to Jesus moment on the road to Damascus, and he was radically changed by Jesus Christ. Ah! says here, he says, And the grace of our Lord has, was ab exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Jesus Christ. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, not condemn. Get that, not to condemn, but to save through his love. What did Jesus do? He paid the price for our sins. That's, greater love has none other. Okay. To save sinners of whom I am chief. Man, I hear that and it resonates with me so soundly. Uh, my dad was not a believer when he married my mom. When he was 32 years old in 1956, he was baptized. One of his favorite hymns was chief of sinners though i be and i'll try to do a little bit of it here chief of sinners though i be jesus shed his blood for me i can't sing that old hymn because i remember how my father loved it so. And how he recognized that he, 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 he recognized that he was the chief of sinners, just as Paul. This is what's going on. Radically changed by Jesus Christ. I am so blessed to know so many men who have been radically changed by Jesus Christ. Bare knuckle barroom fighters, guys that you want on your side in a hassle. Ugh. My friends Wayne and my friends Fred and, and Walt and John, all these different guys, man, that radically changed by Jesus Christ that now are not just strong, but stronger in their faith, and they have no problem sharing their love of Jesus with others. Radically changed by Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was, and that's what he's trying to tell Timothy, is that I was so messed up, Follow what's going on here through Jesus Christ. Okay, and it shows here, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Again, getting something you don't deserve. That in me, first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe 
on him for everlasting life. You know, just of all those who have been radically changed through Jesus Christ. It's long-suffering, but you can make it. Okay, verse 17. Now, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone, who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He who alone is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. This is what Paul is encouraging Timothy with. Verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. This charge, it's a Greek word that I'm probably going to murder here, but I'm going to try to pronounce it anyway, which is parangelia, which is a military order. This charge, it's like, okay, here you go, Timothy. I'm giving, your, giving you your orders. This is what you got to do. Son Timothy, there it is again, referring to him as son, loved him as a son. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you that you may wage the good warfare. Prophecies. Man, uh, boy, some people seem to think that that doesn't happen today. Uh, I have to dispute that. But also be aware of extravagant prophecies. Test it. Test it. If it fits in, remember, Scripture, interpret Scripture. If it fits in with Scripture, then it is a good prophecy. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I ended up having a bit of trouble with the church that I was serving in, not the congregation, not the congregation, I want to make that clear, not the congregation that I was serving, but the church body, which was overseeing the congregation, uh, because the people in this congregation were godly people who loved Jesus and loved others and showed it. But anyway, when I was going through that, God placed it on my heart to talk to my good friend, Pastor Ed Ray, uh, whom I knew not very well, and uh, was a hot rodder. And I came up to him after a deal in Mentone, and I said, I need to talk to you about church. And you know what his response was? He laughed. He laughed. He said, oh, Willie, this doesn't surprise me one bit. I saw what you were doing at the 4th of July car show thing, and the Holy Spirit placed it on my heart and said, you know, that's the guy to take over the hot rod Bible study. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> and Ed went on to say, you know, he doesn't send me emails either. God places certain things on certain people's hearts who are open to the Spirit, who can discern these spirits. And if they give you a prophecy, okay, again, check it, check it out, and run with it. Run with it. Okay, and that's what Paul is telling Timothy here. How these previously made concerning him prophecies that you may wage the good warfare, right? Fight the good fight knowing farewell that Timothy was going to have some fight to fight. Fight the good fight. Okay. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith. Uh, good conscience, which is what we need 
in our toolbox for warfare, but it is talking about those who have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. Now, that is quite the descriptive term, isn't it? And Paul is well aware of shipwrecks, having been in four. Probably by the time he got around the fourth one, he was saying, oh, rats, not again. But here he is well... How do I, it, again, he's, he's aware of what goes on in shipwrecks. And he sees this as a great, again, it's a great illustration. And he's talking about these two guys, Hymenius and Alexander. It says, and it says here, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Deliver to Satan, which was a formal expulsion or excommunication. Notice, he did not say that I condemned them to hell. Okay, we look back in the book of 1 Corinthians, there is a guy there who was in church leadership, who was diddling around with his stepmom and was open about it. And Paul had to write them and say, you know, I understand that you guys are trying to be, you know, open-minded and all this stuff, but this is wrong. You got to boot the guy out. So they did. Right. But what happened? The guy confessed his sin, recognized what he was doing. Then the church wouldn't let him back in. So Paul had to write again and say, hey, knock it off. He's a sinner just like you are. Let him back in. He confessed. This is what it talks about here. He says, turn him over to Satan. It, again, a formal expulsion or excommunication that they may learn not to blaspheme. I don't know. I don't see further where Hymenius or Alexander was brought back into the fold. But it is my uh, desire or my uh, hope that they did. That they did because that's what... You know, God has to, through others, correct us. I've had to have somebody come up to me and say, Willie, what are you doing? And of course, that upsets you right off the bat. You don't want to hear it. But then when you think about it, especially if you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, you say, my, am I glad they said that. So there we are this evening in our first chapter of 1 Timothy. Uh, I hope you find it as exciting as I do. I just, I just love the thought of Timothy being Paul's apprentice. And so with that, I'd like to just end this with a, uh, a blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. See you next week.